Chris Wendelkin, and this is On the Line, my NBA podcast where I talk all things hoops with friends living around the country. We do some NBA deep dives, drafts, news from around the league. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new to the show, you can tweet at me at OnTheLine underscore pod. I'm on Instagram. You can send me any questions to OnTheLinePod at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone who reached out this week. Feel free to keep your, your fantasy basketball questions coming in. Um, last, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe to the show in iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, search On The Line Podcast in, in iTunes. Leave me a five-star review. Write something real quick and nice. I greatly appreciate it. All right, we got a fun show for you today. Lucas Kavner is going to join us. We are talking about some of the fun, surprising underdog teams in the NBA through 20-ish games. So that means we are talking about the Clippers. We're talking Kings. We're talking Grizzlies and Magic. So uh, here it is. Let's hop into it with my buddy, Lucas Kavner. All right, it's Friday morning. Lucas Kavner's on the line. He's fresh off a victory over the Sacramento Kings last night. His Los Angeles Clippers are atop the Western Conference. He's flying high. Lucas, welcome back to the program. How you doing? Oh, great to be back on the on the line, <laughs> which right. I am. Yeah, you are on the line. We are 20 games into the season, and yeah, man, the the your Los Angeles Clippies are atop the Western Conference. My Clippies are number one. Has nobody ever thought. I know. Not Vegas. Nobody who knew basketball thought. Not even the the Clippers sort of uh, websites could have predicted. I mean, I think like lots of people thought the Clippers could be competitive and fun, but and like yeah. maybe battle for an eighth seed. But I don't think anyone really anticipated through a quarter of the season that they'd be the top of the Western Conference. No, but I think for but for all the reasons that people like them anyway is the reason that they're so so good right now is yeah. because they're just so I mean it's literally what happens when you just have an entire roster of like above average yes. players. Very good. <laughs> it's all just like very good competent players. Yeah. Everybody is is like it, you would be happy to have anyone on the Clippers roster on your team. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who you'd be like bummed on your own team to have them play for you. Yeah. And I think that's just like a, a sort of secret secret weapon and everybody sort of valuing stars and these super mega stars and stuff. And then you just have this great roster of competent dudes who like to win. Yeah. I mean, so let's do a little past, present and future with the clips here, but just in a, in a big picture sense for the episode today, I want to kind of talk about some of the surprising teams in the NBA. And obviously the Clippers are like front and center in that conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the clips are currently ranked first in the West after, after beating the Kings last night. They're one of the most lethal offenses in the NBA. They're ranked, I think, third or fourth. They average about 117 points a game. Lucas, like, how is this possible? Like, how do you explain <laughs> the early season success of these guys? Is it well, I, any one they just thing? Got a bunch of, they just got a bunch of people. Every, like, you know, the, every night you've got se- like six or seven people scoring in double digits, yeah. which alone... You know, it's you have you have two possible six man of the year guys on your bench and Harrell and Lou Williams. So, like you know, either of those two guys are starters on a on a playoff team. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think yeah. I think you could put Harrell or Lou Williams as a you know as a key piece of of any playoff team. So, so your bench already has these two guys, and everyone on the team 
with the exception of I don't know Gore Tot can can shoot a three ball. Yeah. So you have you just the the floor spacing is crazy. Mm-hmm. They all they sort of they don't they haven't dipped in energy. They just have so many guys who come on and bring an insane amount of energy, and they have annoying guys. You have yep. people like Beverly and Jesus Bradley man. and Harold. These yeah. dudes who just like will not take the shit. That's <laughs> it's incredible. just kind of they're just they just have sort of all these little facets that sort of make it seem obvious that they'd be good, but obviously not this good. And I mean, like, yeah, I was watching the game last night on TNT and you have a, you know, Charles Barkley still doesn't even think they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, really? He was giving them shit. I didn't see the halftime. He was giving them shit. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, coming from, from Barkley. Yeah. I mean, so to, to put this in perspective, the Clippers currently have a better record than the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, the Thunder, the Lakers, the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Sixers, the Pacers, the Celtics. They're, they're, getting, they're getting monster seasons out of Tobias Harris. Uh, Danilo Gallinari is, is finally healthy. He's having a great year. He's averaging like almost 19 points a game, six rebounds, a couple of assists. Um, they're, you know, Lou, Lou Williams is averaging, I think 18 points. Montrez Harrell is a beast. I mean, that guy is, he, he, I mean, I could do a whole podcast just on Montrez Harrell, but he no, is, he's 15 and seven. Shea, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander looks like the real deal. I mean, the Clippers are currently outscoring their opponents 9.7 points per 100 possessions with, with Lou Williams and Montres Harrell playing the pick and roll mm. together. It's incredible. Mm. It's like, they're just so likable, too. They're yeah. just so, they're fun, they're likable, they're underdoggy, and, and, and it's just like everything you could want out of a team. Mm. So let's break the it down with, with some of these guys. So, I mean, with Montrez, man, like watching that game last night, like how would you describe him and how would you describe his game is there anything that surprised you about like watching him this year he just throws it down so hard he he just you bring him in and first of all like everybody seems a little bit frightened of him you know like you watch him sort of like he'll someone will knock him over he won't take the you know he he's one of those guys he won't take the help up you know he's yep. just this like extreme he's like the kind of guy you want on your team and he's like you a Ben Wallace kind of player i mean yes. i think he has a better offensive skill set than Ben Wallace but he has like that Ben Wallace like ethos of like i'm here to be a fucking tough guy and to be strong and to bang and to like not be friends with anyone yes and he does the kind of thing that i i feel like big men have stopped doing in the last couple of years which is like they get they get the ball into the basket yep. and you realize you can just if you're strong enough just jump up there and throw it down as yes. opposed to hitting it out to the corner for a three which yeah. is like what these giant dudes are doing now you see like each you know you see these centers under the basket that that it seems like they could just turn around and throw it down and then they're taking it out to the corner yeah, every time the thing about him is like he's a he's a really muscular guy so i guess this shouldn't be so surprising to to say but it's amazing to see this guy really like manhandle certain guys in the paint i mean he's only six foot eight and he is like bullying guys in the paint i, I mean, know you you think he's four inches taller than he is yeah it's 10 like 15 years ago 10 15 years ago this guy would be playing i don't know small forward power forward but in today's nba he's a center and he plays like an old school center in that he's just he's a it's a physical brand of basketball and um you know he's just like i said that that pick and roll between him and uh and lou will is just it's been great to watch and he's just flying high above the rim and slamming everything down oh, he's the best 
I love that Harold man. And the shoes, he puts on great shoes. Have you <laughs> um, seen his shoes? No, he's got a great set of shoes uh, guess, every single night. Yeah, I guess I, I, I do. Yeah, that's right. He does have like a, a shoe collection. That's right. The other thing, like Patrick Beverly, like watching this game last night, man, this guy's a fucking madman. He is literally like an insane person playing defense. He should be like institutionalized. Like literally on one possession last night, I think he was guarding Buddy Heald. And at one point, he was just like flailing his arm side to side like like he was like the boogeyman or something you know it's just like guy is crazy crazy he's crazy he must be so I love fun that, as a I, fan I follow to watch. him on instagram yeah. i follow him on instagram and i love that he's uh he like was reading like really intensely reading this book called like the power of not caring if people like you or something jesus <laughs> christ that but he up. just kept posting pictures of him like on the beach reading these books about like the power of being hated and <laughs> yeah like, that really he's just fully giving into this like uh you know, because I remember when he was on the Rockets, I just wanted to kill him. Well, he, he just he was at the Rockets. Yeah, wasn't he the guy that uh, that like dove at Westbrook's knee and like got like he he was the guy that like caused one of Westbrook's like MCL or ACL surgeries. Like he tore he definitely tore one of Westbrook's ligaments. Knee ligaments. Yeah, no, he caused a, a Westbrook injury. I remember, yeah. and now every time they play each other, they go at it hard. Yeah, he's not. You know, he doesn't have any offense. I mean, he really yeah. is like completely unreliable on the offensive end, but. Man, Man, oh man, is he useful, dude, to have on your team? Well, that's just another of, guy where you're like, I'm glad to have Patrick Beverly on my team. Yeah, and dude. That, that that's dude kind of the beauty. Spot. That's kind of the beauty of someone like that on the team. That like he doesn't need shots. He doesn't need the ball in his hand and taking sh- and to take shots in order to have an effect. Like his right. value is just that like raw, intense energy. Um, and just like galvanizing the team. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the roster and kind of how we got here exactly, kind of like deconstructing the the current state of the Clippers roster. Like, how did the All Clippers... Trades, baby. Great trades, yeah, my man. like, so how did the Clippers morph from this kind of cantankerous, disgruntled team from the past few years with like Blake and CP3 and DeAndre and Austin Rivers and JJ Redick and Matt Barnes. They've kind of morphed from that like, yeah, exactly. That like kind of ugly, like bad taste in your your mouth kind of team into this fun upstart group of underdogs. Like what was the biggest, is there one thing that you can point to? Was it the Blake Griffin trade? Was it the CP3 trade? Um, what was it? Both, man. I mean, if you look at the return on both of those trades, it's it's crazy. They got basically their whole team out of those two trades. The CP3 I mean, trade, man. Like... The, the CP3 trade, you get Montrez, you get uh, Pat, you get, um, I guess they got Sam Decker and they dished him out. You got, who else did they get from that? It was oh. Montrez, Pat Bev. They used one of the draft picks from, so they got a draft, first round draft pick from Houston. They used that and flipped it to Denver to get Danilo Gallinari. Uh, oh, they got Lou go. Williams. Lou Williams came over. Oh yeah, they CP3. got Lou. Yeah, dude. Trade. They got Lou Williams uh. in the trade. They got, uh, uh, I think. I think that's it. And then the rest was filler. Luke Maabute came over this year as a free agent signing. Right. But like, but then it look was... at the Blake trade. Blake, you get everyone else. It's Blake, insane. you get Tobias, you get fucking Boban. You got man. Boban, yep. And you got you Avery, get, uh, Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley. You they flipped, Shea, they flipped the, the um, Austin Rivers into Gortat. Um, right. And and they got the first round pick that got them shit. They got the Pistons uh, 12th or 13th pick, which they flipped to charlotte or whatever so they could get 
Shea and Jerome Robinson in the first round last year. Yeah. I mean, so let's just run through the roster real quick. So Pat Bev, that's from the CP3 trade. Avery Bradley, uh, Angel Delgado, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Marcin Gortat, Montrez Harrell, Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, Luke Mabute, Jonathan Motley, Jerome Robinson, Mike Scott, Milos uh, Teodosic, Sindarius Thornwell, Tyrone Wallace, and Lou Williams. I mean, it's largely a team comprised of like castoffs, like guys. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of pundits in the media felt that the Clippers were getting like cents on the dollar in the CP3 and Blake trades, and mm-hmm. these are guys that really have rallied around Doc Rivers, and they're all playing above their heads as a team, and it's it's just been so fun to watch. Well, he's actually been the best. He's been Doc has been the best. He's been at rotations, just in terms of. Um, I don't know. He plays with rotations a lot more than I think other people would. He's, you know, he switched up the back starting backcourt a bunch. He's sort of throws in weird sort of bench combinations. He's had, you know, something like 15, 20 combinations of people on the floor already. And that's sort of something that he started doing last year when everybody was hurt and he sort of just had a bunch of G league dudes and they still managed to be competitive. So somehow I feel like he just gets the best out of people. I don't know. Like I really was down on him for a while, but yeah, I think that's I remember. just he digged into that ethos of like complain, complain, sort yeah. of they all hated each other. Blake and Chris Paul clearly hated each Everyone other. Everyone just looks so miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody looked like they were having fun ever. And you, when you even go down the roster, it's like JJ Redick who like never looks like he's having fun anyway. You know, yeah, he doesn't just seem like the most fun guy in the world, JJ Reddick. No, no, yeah. I, I, I have a good authority that he's kind of a, uh, okay. a drag. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. But you know, you can imagine it, sort of a yeah. tattooed Duke yes. kind of. I, mean, hard, I watch like, a bunch of Sixers. Guy. I watch a bunch of Sixers games, and like, I get it. He makes those corner threes, but man, do I need to see him like barking at the bench and like pounding his chest? I'm like, relax, dude, relax. Um, is this yeah, the best I mean, coaching? Was, uh, job? I feel like I heard him on a podcast too, and you're like, That's right. He was like grief giving zach low grief for like making jokes about 10 like about the nba it's like i just don't think it's funny to like make jokes about like stuff teams is like uh, shut up shut up yeah god is this the uh is it the best coaching job that you've seen from doc since he's been in la oh 100 percent. but yeah. he started it last year because he proved that he could still get wins with i mean he was literally starting <laughs> like dudes that are now like barely in the G League, and you had at least two or three starters of those guys on the floor. I mean, he was like it was like Jawan Evans and Tyrone Wallace and all these guys who were fine, yeah, but like they're not even getting minutes this year. Um, so I think he's just in the last couple of years, even though he kind of started as a guy who was like, I'm not going to be part of a rebuild, and yeah, that was like kind of his his thing. Um, now he just has somehow figured out how to get a lot out of guys who you kind of didn't expect to get a lot from which has been great and also they're just like it's just clearly a bunch of dudes who like like each other you just like think like you even watching even the, the like clippers social media accounts like they're all just hanging out and like you know yeah they <laughs> genuinely seem to be a lot to be said for that yeah yeah uh yeah it feels also like you know thinking of like trying to make sense of the first 20 games and like god the los angeles clippers are in first place in the west and in front of the golden state warriors like how can this possibly be it does feel like there was a bit of a sea change. I mean, stating the obvious, but it does feel like there was a bit of a sea change last year when they traded Blake and, you know, Doc started integrating these new guys. And I think they just had like, you know, that full training camp, like off season together. And they came in as a cohesive 
group ready to go, all ready to prove something. And there weren't like a there weren't like a ton of moving pieces. A lot of these guys came in last year. You know, Gallinari was here last year. Pat Bev was here last year. Avery Bradley came in in that trade last year. Boban came in halfway through the season. Same with Tobias. And it's like they I think they just really gelled in the offseason, knew their roles, and they just they just have come out and played inspired ball to, to begin the yeah. season. And pers- and from a personal level, you look at Tobias who's basically playing for his max contract yep. next yep. year. Yep been an underrated dude you know he wants to win he wants to be sort of taken in the consideration as one of the best in the league so he's playing hard yeah man you know gallo is hurt for his entire career basically and now is seems finally healthy he's for played the first 20 time games. in ages yeah it's incredible. yeah but he's like probably jazzed to just be healthy and healthy. playing good and wants to prove he's still good uh, yeah it's a lot of guys wanting to prove that they're contenders and sort of not comfortable sort of phoning it in all, right, all of them. I think it's time it's we got to, we got to pour one out here for Tobias Harris. I mean, Tobias uh, is one of those, mm. you know, one of Tobias is one of three players in the league, one of three pro- players in the league, Stephen Curry and, and Nikola Vucevic are the others who's averaging at least 20 points per game while shooting 50% or better from the field and 40% or better from three. I mean, mm. Lucas, why do you think we underrate this guy so much? Is it his name? Is it because he has like a dorky sounding name? Like, <laughs> why? Why? He's why a, does this he's, not? It's his personality. Yeah. You don't, you like, you look, I feel like so much of the NBA is personality. Unless you're just flat. If you're flashy, yeah. You know, you got you got Steph Curry's got his insane threes. KD is an emotional, you know, <laughs> volatile, emotional, insane. Also, just you know, unbelievably. T- I mean, he's a superstar. LeBron's a superstar. You know, AD puts up insane numbers. Like all the best players, like there's something insane, superhuman about them. Like Tobias just looks like he works his ass off and he's friendly um, like he's not a jerk yeah you know what I mean? nice quiet sort of he's sort of weird yeah. there's something like kind of strange about him like yes. when you see him interviewed like he's thinking about like he's overthinking everything kind of but in, yes. a, in a smart like sort of down-to-earth way he's just sort of he, you know he's an he's always on activist streets he's like talking about voting yep. and all yep, this yep, 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 yep. <laughs> he just seems like a nice good just like the perfect underrated player. Like yeah, you see below why the radar he's underrated guy. and then you think, see him trying to prove why. Yeah, not. I also think he's been traded three times and like you yeah. get that stink on you a little bit that it's like, oh, he's worth trading. So like the first time he yeah, was it's traded. That's the Oladipo thing, right? Yeah, he was traded from Milwaukee to Orlando the first time for J.J. Redick when he was like a rookie or first-year player. Then he was traded from Orlando to Detroit for Ilya Sova and Brandon Jennings. And then he was Ugh. traded again from Detroit now to the Clippers for Blake Griffin. So I think you you develop that like reputation a little bit as like, oh, this is a guy that's worth trading. You know what I mean? Like right. this is this is totally. not like a cornerstone player. But the fact is he's he's 26 years old. You know, he's averaging 21 points, eight rebounds, a couple of assists. He plays 35 minutes a night. Like he is a cornerstone player. I mean, I I don't know. I, I got to believe that the Clips are going to want to resign him, right? I would hope so. 100%. I mean, he's going to probably get a max contract next year Yeah. from somebody. Um, you know, he turned down that huge extension that the Clippers were going to give him over the summer. So That's he's right. playing for the max contract. That's right. I think he could be the second best player on a, on a you know, winning team, of course. I mean, especially if, I feel like that's why Kawhi is like the perfect offseason ad if the Clippers can get him just sort of a 
weird team seeming guy yeah who also is just unbelievably talented and can just take over a game like that's yes. the kind of guy that would gel with the, the team that they've put together more both like i mean obviously wing you players. want or something but yeah but Kawhi would be so great on this team man i feel like they would just be workhorse like just unbelievable team with Kawhi on there now but yeah tobias is great he's, he's unbelievably good can you tell us a little bit about um shea gilgis alexander like what what's his game like what what about the first 20 games of his season shea is impressed smooth, you? man shea yeah. shea like shea is another one of those guys he's just like he's he just knows exactly where to be on the court all the time he doesn't seem to make you know he makes a few he makes some rookie shooting mistakes but he's just smooth and he just stops on a dime he seems to have like really quick sort of pickups so you know he he sort of knows where to stand against defenders in this like very specific way is something i've noticed he's just always his body's always in the right place and he's just long he's like he gets a couple blocks a game too he's like a six six point guard who's you know great defender Wow. Seven yeah, foot wingspan. Yeah. yeah, he makes so much sense on this team in in exactly everything that we've just been talking about. Like w- when you look at him, he looks like he's fifteen years old. Like he, he yeah. I mean, he's like maybe a hundred and fifty pounds soaking wet. He is a long, <laughs> lanky kid. I mean, he looks like a boy among men. And yeah, he's so thin. He does and, look. He looks like he's fifteen. Yeah. Old, so 100%. so uh, like just like initial impression is like you immediately sort of like dismiss him just like oh like there's no way this guy can really play in the league if you just like look at him physically but the thing about him is he has a way of first of all the thing that jumps out at me off the like right off the page is like his defense he's like has a knack for like deflecting shots and tipping passes and getting steals but then offensively he gets in the lane and he has this incredible like body control it sounds like total bullshit like these sounds like these all these things all sound like how do you quantify any of these things but he has incredible body control almost like he's a contortionist and he's he's got he's got like a little hesitation move he seems Mm -hmm. like so crafty that's the thing i I keep coming back to with him he seems he sort of feels like a taller thinner chris paul yeah or rondo he reminds me of rondo like he's just like thinking the game so like he's his mind seems so much ahead of his body like he seems like once he fills out a little bit i think he's going to be an incredible player um yeah you can't even imagine i don't even imagine what he looks even looks like at like 25 i know i know (laughs) like he doesn't even have like facial hair yet i know unbelievable yeah he does have this because his even his sort of hesitation uh you know little mid-range jumper looks very Chris polished, but he's also just so much longer and, um, you know, more adept at, you know, just different defensive things than Chris Paul was. And just, and he's, yeah. And he's tall. He's just, long. Yeah. It's crazy. Like he will drive in, Like I, I watched the highlights of the game last night of just specifically his highlights, just rewatching it again. It's like, he has this knack for getting in the lane, someone way bigger than him will be in the lane and he has a way of like wrapping his body around someone and like flipping up a shot and 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 hitting it i like makes no sense but um yeah and the other thing is like he he has a slowly but surely developing three-point shot like i think he hit a corner three last night and um yeah, I just I think like he he's got a bright future in front of him so i'm excited yeah his three needs a little bit of work i think he's shooting pretty um low from three-point range but he's got one of those things where like those rookies come in 
And it looks like, I feel like they're shot. He gets a little bit of shot work done. He's going to be fine with that. But sometimes like rookies just fire up threes in a way that looks so wonky. I mean, it's like him, like Lonzo, like, I don't know, maybe just cause it's like a normal shot that hasn't been finessed and yeah. sculpted yet. <laughs> but well, I, think like, also, I think also like they always say in, in college, when you go from college to the pros, the three point line is further back. And sometimes, I mean, that was the issue with that. That has been the issue with Markel Fultz is like the reason that he changed the reason that Fultz changed the, the technique and the form on his shot was, he needed to like generate more power to shoot a three and um and that's like sort of messed with his shot but and anyways like yeah i I do think there is like a a learning curve when you when you go from the from college to the pros um especially like with a man that is a movie i want to see man i want to see the markel fultz full deep dive i don't know if i want to see a documentary or the 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 move the the fictionalized version i don't know what i want to see but i'm just so, there's got to be so many layers to if this you thing. Were, yeah, if you were the GM of the Sixers, how would you handle it? Like, would you would you keep him on the team? Would you look to no. move him? Is he? Is I'd he... probably try to move him. Yeah. But do you want him? Like, do other teams want that now? I think certain teams would be interested if the, if if the asking price was low enough. Like a team like the Phoenix Suns or the. I don't know, like who are the worst teams in the league? Like the Hawks, the Knicks, the Bulls, the Phoenix Suns, right? Yeah. Like all the really bad teams would be like, yeah, well, I'll give you like a second round pick for him or something. You know, yeah, if it's, like if, it's like, yeah, like that. if it's like, yeah, if it's like a absolutely, you know, they're risking nothing. Sure, why not? Let's like, he's a, a first overall pick. Um, you know, the pedigree is there. So, God, it's you just kind of want to kill the Philly fans the way they've dealt with him too. It's just like. You know, he gets the ball in his hands. He's at the free throw line. And they and go ecstatic. the shot and they start chanting MVP. And then he gets booed. And then, you know, it's just like, he's clearly going through some shit. Like, you guys, don't you guys want him to be good? I know, <laughs> I know. Um, I'd probably break ties with him if I were Philadelphia, just because he seems so, um, whatever that relationship is, just seems like tainted and... You know, you can't repair whatever it. is psychologically happening with him seems to have something to do with being the first draft pick and being around these other you know people who came who who you know Embiid and Simmons who were also you know early draft picks who are now superstars and he him not measuring up and I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like a ch- yeah, change of scenery does seem like it would do him good. Yeah. But also who knows what the hell's going on? I like know. what if what if it is a physical thing that he just won't that you know, ever be able to get over yeah yeah or maybe it heals and like he returns to form who knows but yeah but like bill simmons was saying on the other the other day on his podcast it's like he's turned into like rudy like when you watch yeah. the sixers games like the way that fans like cheer him whenever he goes to the to the to the uh, free throw line it's like it feels a little uncomfortable you know like yeah. it's get yeah it's pretty weird at this point uh, yeah i feel like you just if they want him to get better you just sort of don't draw attention to it yeah. you know as much as humanly possible yeah um obviously that's not going to happen though because he's created this insane drama around whatever's going on with him yeah all right so l- let's go back to the clips so my question for you in terms of like the big picture for the season here is do you think the clippers can be our like cinderella story in the nba this year like do you think they can keep up are you a believer like how far can this team go I feel like if they can stay healthy, they can totally do it. I just think they, they're they just, they're gelling so well now. And even when they're getting a little bit of attention, like I was worried the last couple of games, I was like, oh no, like people are talking about them. They're in first. Are they going to sort of 
get ahead of themselves and start to slip, but they're, they still, you know, the best thing about them too, is even when they sort of get down, cause they'll miss a bunch of shots in a row or even like last night, you know, it got really close, but they're right. able to just close out, man. Yeah. Like they're having like warrior style third quarters, you know, they're just, they're sort of getting down and then just exploding out of, you know, out of the gate in terms of when they, when it gets close, they're just able to get back in it. So I feel like they have, if they, if they, if everybody stays healthy and they keep shooting the way they're shooting and, you know, everybody keeps hitting threes and, I don't. I don't see why they can't get close. I mean, obviously, if the Warriors are completely healthy, they're going to destroy everybody, and it doesn't matter. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine even watching that game last night against the Raptors? Oh, against I was the Raptors. Like, yeah. Uh, God, can you imagine when they get Curry and Draymond back? And Much less like, like cousins. Guys who yeah. Hit fifty. Oh, and cousins. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Everyone yeah. keeps forgetting about that. Oh, yeah. God. Well, the Clippers are the Clippers are like decidedly the like anti-warriors. You know, there's that like famous adage yes. that you can't win in the NBA without stars. And and the Clippers, mm-hmm. this team is decidedly without, you know, like a marquee guy. Tobias Harris and Gallinari are probably the closest things that the Clippers have to all-stars. And, you know, like we saw the Atlanta Hawks in 2015, they kind of fizzled out in the playoffs to the Cavs. So you feel this team can make a run. Yeah. The the playoffs are the hardest part when, you know, you have your LeBrons and your KD is playing 110%. The game slows down. You know, you're not going to get these like cheap points from like Mike Scott coming off the bench or, you know, you know, Jerome, uh, Jerome Robinson or Sundarius Thornwell. They're not going to. But in the playoffs is also when the role players start to get more attention. You know, these these guys kind of come out of nowhere. And if you have a a team full of those guys, plus, you know, some breakout star potential guys like Tobias and, Montrez and those kind of guys that can still they they do take over games in their way you know Tobias will just hit a bunch of threes in a row and that you know he everyone goes to the line their free throw shooting is incredible we didn't talk about that but they're like they go to the line a million times and they I mean Gallinari was made like 60 free throws in a row earlier this year I mean these guys all just shoot like really well from the free throw line and keep going to the free throw line I feel like that's sort of been their secret weapon recently yeah um so I don't know I don't know man I think everyone's gonna get destroyed by the Warriors if (laughs) even slightly healthy (laughs) but uh well I'm pulling for the clips I'm I'm for sure pulling for the clips I read this interesting piece by Zach Harper the other day on The Athletic he made a great point he was saying like the Clippers really suffer defensively on the road. Like right now they're five and five away from Staples Center and mm-hmm. they're doing really great at home. So I'm I'm pulling for them and I'm keeping an eye to see if they can, you know, really uh buckle down on the road and, and keep the defensive numbers up. Which is surprising to me because Staples Center is still like the Lakers house and they don't right. always seem super comfortable in there. But um I guess Who knows? fans are coming out and they love Boban. All right. The other, uh, one of the other teams I want to talk to you about in terms of like surprise, early surprise teams in the NBA is the team. Actually the Clippers played and beat last night, the Sacramento Kings. Mm. And you know, I'll be honest with you, man. Like I don't really remember the last time the Kings mattered or were like very good. Like, like really good. I mean, like a team that mattered that you feared that when, you know, you were interested in watching probably not since like Chris Webber and Vlade Divac and, and Mike Bibby were around. Right. Yeah. Cause did they ever make the playoffs with 
with Boogie on the team? Did they even like get into the playoffs? I don't no, think so. I think they were always kind of flirting with that eighth seed, but no, they, yeah. they really floundered. And yeah. I mean, this team now is basically a 500 squad. I mean, they're, they're right. basically just battling for an eighth seed, but for a team that's suffered through like so much mediocrity, it actually feels like a major development. And yeah. I'm just wondering like, what strikes you about the Kings through 20 games? Is it like a particular player? Is it the coach? Is it a scheme, like style of play, anything like that? I mean, I'm going to, I will, I feel like Darren Fox is really good. Yeah. Like next, like he's, you know, he's probably an all-star in the next couple of years, yep. right? I mean, yep. he's putting up crazy numbers. Yep. He's really fast. He, you know, he feels like exactly the kind of person you want to draft and then ends up being unbelievably good. He looks look, great. I mean, he's another example of just like, if I feel like almost everyone on their roster, aside from, you know, Willie Colley-Stein can shoot threes again. So you just have a ton of floor spacing. They're playing really fast. Um, which is another thing that, you know, seems like it's going to, you know, once it gets down to the wire, it's not something that's ultimately super sustainable. Right. But, um, you know, they got the, they, they have a bunch of good shooters. They've got a bunch of young guys who really want to win. Deer, and De'Aaron Fox looks really good. Badly looks good, too. Yeah, I mean, to my, like, naked, untrained eye, it just seems like they've finally found something that works with their backcourt. Like, Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox, they really seem to complement each other oh, yeah, perfectly. You know what I mean? Like, Fox plays at 100 miles an hour he's like a race Uh car you know what i mean he is just flying at he has one speed and that's just like he is flying down the court uh, (laughs) driving to the cup and buddy healed is like right there spotting up for three and he's really become a great player i mean i I mean like not to be like whatever hyperbole or whatever but buddy healed's averaging 18 points a game i think he's shooting let me see from three he's shooting almost 43 percent from three um, and he's just become a really, really solid player. I mean, he was the guy that they traded. He was the guy they got in return for Boogie Cousins. Um, yeah. And he's really just been, he's been solid. And it seems like, yeah, they have an identity finally, and they figured out like how to win and, and who they want to be. And it seems like they finally have the personnel to like run and be a fast NBA team. I'm curious about Harry Giles, man, because he always looks great on the floor and they're only playing him like six minutes <laughs> and he puts up like yeah he'll put up a ton of points and he's a passer you know he's he looks like an like he could be just an amazing big man i feel like they're not giving him the well that was the big controversy right because the he i mean he said that the deal with harry giles is like I think at one point he was like the number one high school prospect in the country and he went to Duke and uh, he had like two or three major knee operations, like surgeries on both knees, one of which was maybe like the micro, like a micro fracture surgery. And I think, you know, it was like all bets were off after that, you know, it's like, let's see what this guy even develops into. He didn't play last year. I think the, the Kings took him maybe with the 10th or 12th pick last year, never even got on the court. And, uh, so this is really his rookie year. So he just feels like a Frankenstein kind of like science experiment. Like, Hey, anything we <laughs> yeah, get. He, looks great. he looked great at summer league too. And I know. I know. I don't know, man. I feel like he, he's one of those guys who sort of want to start getting a, a few more minutes, hopefully. I would love he it. Will. I mean, Bagley is starting to get, you know, 25, 30 a night. Because there was that weird stretch when 
Nemanja Bjelica was uh, God. was just tearing it up, man. Yeah. His numbers were insane for yeah. like two weeks. I mean, he's currently <laughs> 11 points, five rebounds. He's shooting 50% from three. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's run through the roster real quick. So we have Mar- Marvin Bagley the third, uh, Nemanja Bjelica, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Willie Colley Stein, Yogi Ferrell, De'Aaron Fox, Waylon Gabriel, Harry Giles the third, Buddy Heald, Justin Jackson, Costa Kufis, Scalabassier, Frank Mason the third, Ben McLemore, Zach Randolph, Iman Shumpert, and Troy Williams. Um, yeah, Zach uh, Zebo hasn't even been playing. No, he doesn't even play. And it's no. same with like Costa Kufis. I think he's barely getting a couple minutes a game. So they they just kind of committed. You know, it seems like Dave Yeager, their coach, is just really committed to the young guys, letting them make mistakes. And um, it's been fun to watch. Willie Colley <laughs> Willie Colley Stein is such an interesting player. A fourteen points a game, eight rebounds, two assists. Um, he's just, I don't know. He's a goofy, fun Love that player. Guy. Yeah. I was he's... telling you the other day, he looks like he stars in a Harmony Korean <laughs> movie. Yeah, he does he's need a Harmony. He's got these crazy tattoos. He's got this like, you know, you know, mysterious grin. Yeah. He's just like a fascinating looking dude. I know. You just thought, that's like not a dude you want to mess with either. Yeah, I would like, love him to get a, to get a part in a Harmony Korean film. That would be great. Uh, yeah, him and Boban can be in the John Wick series together. <laughs> yeah, wait, when does John Wick... When does John Wick three come out? I don't know. I don't even know if he's shot it yet. I think he shot it over the summer. Fantastic! Comes yeah, out sometime in the middle of twenty nineteen. Yeah, for, for anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about, Bob, Boban Marjanovic is going to be in the third John Wick film, playing a Croatian <laughs> assassin. Um, <laughs> this is totally real. It's not a joke. That's a very real thing. So keep an eye out. John Wick three. Boban will be coming to the big screen. We don't know who he's. We know he's playing an assassin. That's basically it. We That's don't know it. if he has lines or anything. We, we got nothing. Yeah. But man, I hope he becomes a star. That is one likable dude. Oh, we love him. So Lucas, back to the Kings. Uh, real quick, can they can they keep it up? Do you think they have a shot at the eighth seed? Um, you know, I'm man. Everyone's got a shot at the eighth seed. It's isn't it like. Isn't first place and twelfth place separated by like five games right now? Yeah, <laughs> so let me pull. The up West standings. is so goofy. Yeah, exactly. So to give you, this is incredible. I mean, so again, Friday morning, the Clippers are currently in first place in the West, in sixteenth place in the West. The bottom of the West is the Phoenix Suns, and right above them are the Houston Rockets. So Ugh. yeah, if the playoffs started today, but what's the Rockets' record? Nine and eleven. They're five and a half games back of first place. <laughs> what a goofy, goofy conference. Yeah. So um if the playoffs started today, here would be the teams that made it. The Clippers, the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Thunder, the Blazers, the Grizzlies, the Lakers, and the Mavericks. And then missing the playoffs would be the Wolves, the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, the Jazz, the Rockets, wow. and the Suns. So wow. it's just there's such incre- incredible parity. Obviously, we're only 20, 25 games into the season. So, you know, it's just, it's hard to predict anything here. But what do you like? Do you have any theories about why some of these teams that we expected to be in the mix in the West are struggling early on here? Like, how, well, how the come- Rockets just lost? You change your team dramatically if yeah. you're really good. And, you, you lose two key defensive pieces and shooting pieces and just guys that were doing good stuff for you. And yep. they, you know, they lost Mamba Mute and yep. uh, Ariza and they sort of took that weird gamble and had drama with Carmelo. And yep. 
just sort of make some changes that don't really make any sense and you don't replace them with anybody. I mean, you just grab like James Ennis and think like he's going to be, he's going to be equivalent to, you know, whatever you were doing the year before. I mean, they just have a bunch of randos that sort of were always sort of fighting for minutes on other teams and you're just sort of sticking them in there with no clear. I mean, they always just played, you know, their, their game plan always was like ISO ball of just, you know, let Harden dribble a million times and see what happens. Um, so I feel like that's just sort of catching up to them now. I really don't like the Rockets, and I hope they continue to lose. <laughs> Me, too. Me too. Yeah, man, it's just so interesting. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the standings here, and it's like the Clippers are atop the West, and the Rockets, the Houston Rockets, are the second-worst team in the West. And to be honest with you, the Clippers are definitely playing harder every night. And mm-hmm. the sum total of their pieces, like they just have better players. They, they, they obviously don't have James Harden and they don't have Chris Paul. Like they don't have the Clippers don't have anyone on that elite level, but like one through 12, their team is just deeper and better. Like you, like yeah. outside of Chris Paul and James Harden, you would rather probably ha- and maybe Capella, you'd rather have most of the guys on the Clippers, right? Like you would rather have Tobias Harris and you would rather have like Gallinari and and all the guys that we've just been discussing, Shea Gilgis Alexander, even Gortat, Harrell, Boban. I mean, yeah, the, the Rockets have no bench. They have Eric Gordon, who kind of ha- went through a slump, and like if he's not shooting well, you're kind of screwed. So they just don't have. They have no depth. Uh, it does again another team where it seems like they, they, I don't, I can't quite tell if they like each other or have any idea what they're doing. And it just seems uh, like they came into the season with this, like, it was like this foregone conclusion that they were going to be the yeah. second best team in the West or like the first team in the West because they took the Warriors to six games last year or seven games last year in the Western Conference Finals. And it's like, no, you definitely have to like bust your butt, you know, like to get back to where you were. And it just seems like they aren't playing that same inspired brand of basketball, right? Yeah, the, the and the West is just going to be won by like two games. I feel like I feel like it's going to be just a ton of teams, right. especially you know maybe a couple teams will pull away to the top, you know one or two slots. Right. But I feel like three to eight is anyone's it's guess. Be separated I mean, by like a game and a half. Pretend to know what's going to happen. Yeah. At all. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, the last team that I want to talk about, uh, a surprise team, is uh, one of the Eastern Conference teams. And they're kind of like what I would consider like the Sacramento Kings of the East. And that's the... We going Magic, Chris? Yeah, we're, we're going, going magic. Orlando Magic. Oh, we're talking about the yeah. Orlando Magic. So, like... The fact Ooch. that they're even competing for an eighth seed feels like a major victory for the franchise. Kind of like the Kings, you know, like it's it's been they the Magic have been like the league punching bag for the past, I don't know, like six years, eight years, ten years, basically since Dwight Howard left. And I'm not really sure that they're necessarily good, but they're interesting, which again, like feels like a victory. So Lucas, I'm curious, like Anything about uh, about the magic that piques your interest right away? Well, I'll tell you what still doesn't pique my interest is their uniforms. They, if they can change their <laughs> uniforms, go. I think they automatically go up a tier. Because, man, they still have the same uniforms as like the goofy Space Jam days. What is which it? is when everybody changed their uniforms, but the magic still holding tight on those like, stripey, like, yeah. goofy font is it is yes. it that is it that simple that like that's what bothers you about the uniform that it's pure goof like they are they are like embracing like 
you know, like, isn't there like a magic wand and some stars? And like, is there, yeah, do they have like a magician's hat in there? It just feels very <laughs> silly. Like a rabbit jumping yes. out of a hat or something. Yeah. Every, I mean, I feel like everybody had those like cartoony jerseys for right. a while, but then have, have since shifted like three or four more jerseys I into the future. The most egregious of the cartoon jerseys in my, like this, the, do you remember the Seattle Supersonics cartoon jersey? I always thought I don't that, remember their cartoon. Oh, uh, vaguely, but I mean, I'm thinking more like Grizzlies Raptors. Yes. Yeah, they were um, very much in on cartoons. So giant dinosaur, just giant, just like tons of sh- tons of stuff going on. Man. Bright like purple. Too much, yeah, yeah. Yes, too much happening on the jersey. Sure. So uh, you would. So if you were like rebranding the Magic, first thing you would be like is just let's get the goof out of here. Let's be a get serious the goof team. Out of the Magic. Yeah. You know, keep maybe a little touch, maybe a star or two. <laughs> You know, keep the wand. Okay. You know, keep something from your your early days. But like, let's but like, let's, let's be professional. Yeah, let's be adults. Yeah. You know. I yeah. mean, Orlando's a goofy Disney city. Sure. You know, I, I get they're sponsored by Disney. I okay. think they have like the Disney logo in their coin. They got a lot of goofy stuff going on. Okay. So I think I would rebrand them to to sort of take the the sort of embarrassment out of the crap. <laughs> but they're good, really, man. Vucevic I gotta say, their city jerseys, their city edition jerseys felt oh, yeah, like those the, were Nice. Oh man, I don't know. Like, like, just it just felt like the dark, the dark, the black, like the matte black with the goof. I don't know. I, it was a little much. Oh, for maybe me. I'm thinking of the Maverick City jerseys yeah, that I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So talk to me about Vooch. Um, Vooch has been um, unbelievable. Yeah, he's like, on my his fantasy numbers team. Are insane. He's been like incredible. His, uh, yeah, he's, he's just grand. turned. He's turned into a stat stuffer. So he's. 20 points a game, 11 rebounds, almost four assists, one steal a game, one block. He plays 30 minutes a night. He's shooting 41% from three. He's the best three-point shooter Jeez. on the team. Yeah. I mean, Aaron, That's crazy. I mean, those are like Boogie Cousins stats. Exactly. Right That's what I'm saying. Like He's turned into this like all-NBA player, maybe. Aaron Gordon is definitely the best player on the squad, but Vooch is having the best statistical year on the team. Yeah, Aaron Gordon has flirted with being a star last couple of years he, he always has a bunch of clunkers each week i feel like he'll just sort of peter out and you'll look at his stat line he's got like no points and four rebounds and you're like what happened uh, yeah didn't they just pay and, you like a hundred million dollars yeah right and then but then you just it's a, again just like a bunch of role players a couple guys get hot each night you have like weird bench guys like what's his name uh Ross on the bench oh, who's Terrence come Ross. out. And yeah. like, he's Terrence like been Ross. hitting like 20 points a game for yep. some reason. Yep, yep. I mean, Jonathan Isaac, who always sort of flirted again with being good the last couple of years, is now looking pretty good again. They still don't have a point guard. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any that's theories? Team, man. You know, that's a team that could use John Wall. Right. Yeah. We, we, I, always, we text, you know, you, you, I, and Matt Hobby are always texting about where John Wall can go. And Orlando seems like a, a destination that would make sense. Do you have any theories on like why it's going so well for them? Like what, what's changed? Well, I think they, last year they started really well too. I think they right. sort of, and then for whatever reason, fell apart i don't i mean again it's like a bunch of guys that get hot and really cold like fournier is another dude who sometimes hits 24 and then sometimes gets like four points right um, i i feel like um aaron gordon another guy like they're all really competent seemingly good players who go really hot and cold um so I feel like if they can stay even sort of slightly above mediocre, they'll you know they're all 
there's a you know enough good guys on that team that they can sort of stay, especially in the East. I don't know if they were in the West, what we'd be talking about, but in the East, they have enough you know good players and Vooch sort of stepping up his game again uh, year after year. He's sort of just gotten better and better. So I feel like if you 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 know you pair him with three or four guys who are above average uh, in the East, and you're gonna you know flirt with an eighth seed, definitely. Sure, man. I mean, so to make the eighth seed in the East, you just have to be better than the Cavs, the Hawks, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Miami Heat, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Wizards. And it would seem Ew. like, yeah, it would seem like <laughs> your your best competition is be, is going to come from the Heat and the Wizards. Like if the Heat or the Wizards or maybe the Nets ever get their shit together, maybe they can make a run at it. But as it currently stands, the Magic would make the eight, would make the playoffs as the eighth seed at ten at ten and twelve. Yeah, um, I mean, if the if the if the Nets hadn't lost Levert, I, there, I feel like they would have been. Man team we were all talking about uh, and they just had a devastating injury yeah but now i such don't a feel fun... like anyone down there is Levert gonna... is such a fun player god that was a devastating injury man Ugh. yeah i, yeah, I couldn't even really watch sick. it one thing about the magic is um that I, that I wanted to point out is like it does seem like steve clifford you know we were talking about like what's changed down there steve clifford seems to be doing a really good job coaching the team he's one of those guys that just like squeezes every bit of effort and energy and talent out of his roster. Um, and I think that's a little bit what's going on. I mean, they're in the bottom half of the league offensively and defensively. So it's a kind of like a testament. Really? Yeah. It's kind of a testament that they're <laughs> like pulling these games off um, and they're, they're getting some W's, but it does make you wonder if it's like a bit fluky and, um, yeah, I mean, they seem like one of those teams that's the classic, like, good teams are going in there to play and sort of have the yes. idea of the old Magic, and then they're a little bit better than so they expect, and they sort of get surprised. The Magic swept the Lakers this season. You know, the Magic and Lakers play twice, and the Lake and the Magic have beat them both times, once in Orlando, and then the other day in Los Angeles. They're the team that, like, most people won't be taking seriously, and they're probably getting by on some of that. But, you know, long-term... They're giving major minutes to the likes of like DJ Augustine and Jonathan Simmons and Terrence Ross. And it does feel like we're due for some regression to the mean at some point. So totally. But also look at those teams below them in the East. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You just, you just have to be better. You have to be better than the Knicks, Bulls, Hawks, Cavs. Gotta, gotta outdo the Wizards and the Nets and the Heat. And then, and then you're in. Um, Lucas, before I let you go, can we talk really, really quickly about one of the other teams in the West that's been great, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies, because we never really talk about them on the show. Shocking. Um, Last year, the Grizzlies had one of the worst records in the NBA. They got the fourth overall pick in the NBA draft. This year, they're 12-8. and They're two and a half games back of first place in the West. They have the best defense in the league. They're allowing the fewest opponent points per game. Um, Shams Shiarnia just reported that they have officially signed Joakim Noah to <laughs> to, to a contract. Lucas, wh- how do you? What do you like? Make of this? Like, what? Like, why the sudden resurgence? Grizz, baby. Yeah, they're the just like they just that they've always been a good defensive team, and yep. then last year they lost Conley the whole year, and Conley yep. is he's the highest paid player in the NBA. I mean, he's one of the, another one of those Tobias Harris dudes who's like, yeah. if you're quiet and not dramatic. It's yeah. hard for you to get famous. Right. Um, he's never made a playoff. He, you know, he's he's never made a, like an all-star team. And yeah. No. He's really, really good, but just not not flashy and not 
sort of interesting enough to warrant more attention, but his numbers are great. He's obviously a dude everyone on that team loves and respects, and he's really good. And then you got him and Gasol back, which was always sort of the centerpiece when the Grizzlies were good before. And you add Jaron Jackson, who's been great. Incredible. I mean, he's he's he, he looks like perfect for the Grizzlies too, man. Like he's like four blocks, kind of, you know, eight eight boards, a, a few blocks, you know, decent three point shot. And yeah. He's, He's good, man. Yeah. He's like really good. I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Conley, you know, like why the sudden resurgence? Like Conley's healthy again for starters. Last year he missed he got uh a, he got heel surgery that ended his year last year, I think in like December or January, and he's back now and he looks as good as ever. He's averaging twenty points a game, six and a half assists, three and a half rebounds, you know, his three point efficiency is coming around. And then you mentioned Marcus Saul, man. Like Look, is why the hell is this guy so good? I mean, why is he still good, man? You look at his physique, and it doesn't make sense. Like, he looks like he should be playing pickup basketball with us on Saturdays, but, like, he should not be this productive of a professional basketball player. Um, yeah, no. Why is he? Why? why is he so good? Why is he? His stat line so insanely good. Eighteen points, a career high, nine and a half rebounds, four assists, a career high, one point seven steals, a block and a half a game. He's also shooting a ridiculous amount of threes, and he's doing it at an insane clip. He's knocking down like forty-one percent of his three-point attempts. He's well. If you think about him, he's like. He's like older Jokic, right? Yes. I mean, like, like why is Jokic? So Jokic looks like he should be like a guy who just wanders into the Y and you're like, what is, what's what the is this here? lumberjack I, doing here? So he's yeah. just giant Jokic. Yeah. Like he's like thicker, older, more experienced Jokic who's like a little bit slower. And he didn't really have that three-point shot. I mean, I think he probably It'll, maybe he shot a few. I, no, I don't know dude, what the stats are, just, but I would imagine not as many. It's just something he started incorporating in the last like two or three years. Yeah, like he, it's yeah. like a very new development, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh yeah, I think he's maybe like the best three point shooting big man in the league." But you know, the thing is, like the stats don't even tell the complete full story with this guy. I mean, he is one of the game's best defensive big man, according, I think, to NBA.com. The Grizzlies have a defensive rating of 101.5 when Gasol is on the court and then 105.5 when he's off the court. So, like, they're a totally different team when he's not playing. And, um, yeah, he's just just one of those guys. He's just one of those really, really special players, and uh, he's fun to watch. He's, like, 33, 34, I think. And then you mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr. Real quick, I mean – he looks like a future stud. I mean, he yeah, he's, he's only really playing he's only playing like 20 minutes a night right now cuz he can't stay on the court cuz he gets into foul trouble, but once he figures out that end of the game, it's over. I mean, like to give you an idea, he the the Grizzlies played against the Knicks the other night. He was 6 for 6 from the field, including 4 from 4, 4 for 4 from 3. He had 16 points, 7 blocks. <laughs> Mm. three assists and 16 rebounds. And if he ever starts taking 10 or 12 shots a night and playing 30 plus minutes, like he's going to be an all NBA player. He's, he's oh, going to yeah. be no, incredible. He's dangerous, man. I mean, Gasol Conley and that dude. Yeah. And a couple of those role players they still got. I mean, that's yeah. Again, it's just like you put dudes together who aren't me, who are just above mediocre and yeah. play hard. Yeah. It, it works for yeah. you. I mean, then you look at like the worst teams, they just don't have that depth. They don't have sort yeah. of 
those leaders or the depth. And that's, that's really like much more important than everyone gives it credit, credit for in yeah. the NBA, which is so star driven, but yep. Grizzlies, man, year after year prove that, uh, you can sort of stay in the game a little bit. If you just grit and grind grit the and Memphis grind. way, baby. <laughs> All right. Real quick, before I let you go, final thoughts on the clips this up, upcoming week. So the clips are, have three games. Mm-hmm. They're at the Pelicans on Monday. They're at the Grizzlies on Wednesday. And then they are home on Sunday versus the Heat. So I want a couple things from you. One, give me a prediction on their record for this week over that three game stretch. Are they three and oh, two and one, one and two? So again, I think at, they're gonna pull they're they're gonna lose one of those. I'll say they lose two and one. I'll say they lose to the Pels. Lose to um, the Pels. Okay. The surging Pels who need some wins and sort of had a confusing sort of skid there. Great. Uh, All right, two and but, one. Um, we'll take it. We'll take it. I'll go two and one. I'll um, go two and one. They can beat both those other my teams. My second question is Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris, is he an all-star this year? Oh, man. I think he should be. But but you look at that, like, uh, oh. I, I was reading something about it. Like, that is, that, it's steep, man, in the What's West. The fo- like, they do that new format now where, like, the players draft each other, right? Like, there's right. no, like, voting. Okay. But you think about, I mean. Does he have how friends? Many, how like, many is people he... become all, how many is... people are all-stars? I'm not sure. I think it's, like, two or three guys at each position yeah i think it's like i think it's like eight to ten i think it's like 10 or 10 to 12 maybe okay and you're competing with lillard steph kd like anthony davis like it's just like the top six or seven are lebron already picked and then you maybe have like a handful to sort of fight through yeah if the clippers can stay in first place for at least the next or at least you know top three in the next couple months. Yeah, I think. I, think I mean, could, I, I, think I guess those there. front court slots are going to be kind of stacked now that LeBron and Durant are both in oh, the yeah, Western LeBron, Conference. LeBron, Durant, Durant Paul George, DeRozan's uh, in the yeah, West. Now. Yeah, it's, yeah. PG is in the. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's going to be. That's a hard league to it, sneak in, man. Yeah. You're fighting legacy plus Harden and Chris Paul. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough. All right, it's going to be tough. My last question for you, long term. The Clippers, are they a top four playoff seed in the West? In th- this year? This year. Um, uh, are they, first of all, are they a playoff team? They're a playoff team. Okay. They're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they can, they'll can. slip out that hard. I think they have too many good, unless something drastic happens, some sort of injury or something, knock wood, they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll be in the playoffs. I think they're, they, they, they're just too deep a team to sort of not sneak in there in the end um no i'll give them five okay cool hey we'll five. take it we'll take it we certainly would have five. expected it at the beginning of the season all right lucas yeah. thank you so much right, for buddy. hopping on the show it was great talking Thanks, to you man. and we'll touch base later in the season take it easy all right back all right that was a conversation with lucas kavner lucas thank you very much my name's chris wendelkin this is on the line you can tweet at me at on the line underscore pod i'm on instagram email me any questions at on the line pod at gmail.com please rate review subscribe to the show on itunes wherever you get podcasts enjoy watching some early december hoops and i'll talk to you guys next week <laughs>